Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to the radio station CITR, and this is weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. Today on the show, I will play you my interview with Brandon Kelly of Lawrence Arms. And to start off the things, we'll listen to No Means No. This is a song called Brother Rat. Well, let's go out and see what we see. Well, let's go out and see what we see. Just you and me. Just you and me. We'll see what we see. Just you and me. And there will be no other brother. We'll knock back a few. We'll knock back a few. And talk about life. And talk about life. We'll knock back a few. We'll knock back a few. And talk about life. And talk about life. And what is right. And what is right. And what is right. And what is right. We'll talk about life. We'll talk about life. And what is right. And what is right. And there will be no other brother, buddy, pal, comrade, friend, buddy, pal, comrade, friend, until the end. A shake of the hand, a shake of the hand, a pat on the back, a pat on the back, a shake of the hand, a shake of the hand, a pat on the back, a pat on the back, a knife in the back, a knife in the back, a knife in the back. Same, you and me. We're brothers. We're brothers in arms. We're friends until the end. We're brothers. We're brothers in arms until the end. Your end. Brother rat. A brother rat. Brother rat. A brother rat. Brother rat. A brother rat. Brother rat. Hello, 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 you're listening to the radio station CITR, and this is weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. Good morning, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Good morning to the, all the people who will listen to this in the form of a podcast sometime in the future. And uh, my name is Russian Tim, and welcome to this episode of uh, weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. And I started the show with a great Canadian band called No Means No, that was a song called Brother Rap. Uh, today on the show, I will play you my interview with Brandon Kelly of Lawrence Arms, The Falcon, Wandering Burns, and um, uh, Brandon played his solo acoustic show um, sometime in February, and before the show, we uh, chatted uh, and we talked and we discussed quite a few things. Um, I've been doing interviews for the past seven years or something like that, and that's definitely one of my best ones, and it's not because I did good, I did okay, uh, but uh, Brandon is a great storyteller, and I'm very, very excited if you're listening right now and if you are interested i would encourage you to continue listening to this because this conversation was great such a great storyteller um, a person with interested opinions and uh, a person just a general who you interested uh listen it's it's, it's interesting to listening to what uh brandon says yeah, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited uh, that um, you will hear. Uh, just a word of caution: um, if you are 
planning to be offended by some swear words, then maybe then maybe you shouldn't be listening to that because there will be a lot of uh, words which are generally not very uh, useful um, in terms of um, uh, radio broadcast, but we'll make an exception specifically for, uh, for this episode. But I warned you, so if you complain, we'll just chat. <laughs> Uh, all right, my friends. Let's uh, let's again. Let's start uh, start listening to the conversation with uh, Brandon. And in uh, uh, part one, we discussed um, the new album uh, by by his band Falcon. He is known uh, for being in Lawrence Arms, but he has this other uh, side project um, uh, called The Falcon. And uh, last year, uh, The Falcon released an album called Gather Up the Chops. That's an interesting name. And uh, so I'll play the first part of the interview where it talked about this brand new album and how everything came about. And then uh, in that second part of that first part, well, okay, let's say just in the first part, uh, we talked about, um, I asked him, I asked Brendan questions about the cup, all of um, uh, tracks from that album. And after this uh, part one, we will hear those tracks. So let's do it. This is Rocket from Russia. And this is my interview with Brendan Kelly of the Lawrence Arms of Falcon, Wandering Burns. And this is part one of our conversation. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you so much. I think after you said after t- eight years you're back, but I think it's actually more. Uh, so, well, the, the only time I've ever played in uh, Vancouver was when we did the Alkaline Trio 10-year anniversary of God Damn It. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure that record came out okay, in 99, yeah, 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 right, yeah. which would mean that we played here in 2009. So okay. that would be eight years ago. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but um, I'm stoked to be back. It's... It's weird. It's just this is a really hard place to get to, uh, just geographically, due to the vastness of Western Canada and the sort of difficulty of uh, playing shows in the Pacific Northwest uh-huh. for you know for U.S. bands. So I'm stoked to be back. This is awesome. Welcome to Vancouver. Yeah, thanks. Congratulations on the release of Gather Up the Chaps, which came out last year on Red Scare Industries. You have quite an all-star lineup on this uh, record and in, in this band in general, including yourself, Dan Andriano, Neil Hennessy, Dave Haas. All members of the bands are very. very very strong songwriters. Could you please talk a little bit how did uh, the songwriting process work with so many genius artists in one room? Did you took, did you take the lead on this or and how did you manage the uh, too many cooks in the kitchen situation? Right, yeah. Uh, well, so the Falcon has always been sort of like my weird brainchild and um, I wrote, uh, so there's 10 songs on the record, um, I believe. Right? Ten? Maybe twelve? I don't know. I, I wrote all of them but two. Dan wrote one and Dave wrote another. And um, I did it, like, I my methodology is pretty uh, standard in no matter what project I'm in. And what it involves is, like, I'll take a song and I'll record a crappy demo of it on acoustic guitar uh, with my iPhone. Right? And if the song is good enough that it sounds cool like that, then I know it's a good song, and then I send it to my much more talented friends and they flesh it out, right? So in the case of um, worrying about there being too many cooks in the kitchen, it wasn't really an issue, because this was sort of like directed by like my vision, and then it was like Dave came in and just ripped awesome guitar leads, and Dan you know, played the bass, and Neil, Neil played the drums, and it, so everybody kind of played their position, and it was rad. And then you know, Dave wrote a song, and Dan wrote a song, and it was sort of the same thing, you uh, know, where uh, where I came in, and I just you know did my parts and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was actually a remarkably easy process. It's very uh, it's very weird because we all live uh, all over the states, you know. Uh, Dan lives in Florida, Dave uh, lives in Santa Barbara, Neil lives in LA, and I live in Chicago. 
So there was never like uh, like getting into the practice space and jamming. Like even when we recorded the record, the four of us were never there all at the same time. Yeah, Dave was supposed to come in, but then he was a day late and he missed <laughs> when Dan was there. So wow. So yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was an awesome process, and those guys are just like I can't say enough good things about them. And and uh, you know, so it was. It was really made my job easier, you know. I just had to write some crappy songs, and those guys <laughs> made them great. Those great songs. And you started Falcon again. I listened to one of the interviews, uh, and you said you were so praising Todd from Rise Against. Yes. And you said pretty much he was the reason, seeing him touring with Rise Against, and seeing him was the reason. So how do you feel now about being in the Falcon when he's not in the band? Well, you know, here's the thing. As far as I'm concerned, Todd is still absolutely 100% in the band. Like, if he wanted to come back and play guitar in the Falcon, I'd be stoked. But that being said, it's like when we put out the first EP and it was just like such a fun thing to do. And like Dan and I have been friends forever, like since we were little kids and we, you know, we were in a ska band in high school together and all of this. And uh, so it's just a wonderful opportunity to play with him. And um, at, at a certain point, the Falcon kind of took on a life of its own where it was like, oh, man, you know what? Todd's not around. I don't know where Todd is. Like he kind of dropped off the face of the earth. So I haven't seen him in years. Um, but, uh, it, you, you know, at, at a certain point it was like, well, yes, Todd is like Todd's awesomeness was the genesis of uh, my conceptualization of the Falcon. But at the same time, you know, once it once once the Falcon took flight, man, what am I going to do? You can't can't put the genie back in the bottle. You know what I mean? <laughs> In the song The Skeleton Dance, you're clearing your throat before singing the slow part, and that was a reference to B.O.B., Haley Villains, and Eminem's song Airplanes, album version only. Yes. And uh, when Eminem comes on, he clears your throat, and that was the, the that was you, you were um, referring to. Then also the uh, House of Folk Cheeseburger uh, has the flow which you borrowed from King Conta. Yes. I find that very, very fascinating that you're picking up things and like like you said you like picking up things not from punk rock because it's like you're eating your own poo exactly but you picking up from like different genres and like popular music could you please maybe give a couple of other ideas which you borrowed and interpreted in Lawrence Arms Falcon whatever is uh, whatever huh. one that, that is okay okay so I first of all you've really done your homework that's pretty <laughs> but I the uh, um, I, I would say one one of the big huge like sort of tent poles of uh the way that i like to like arrange a song particularly vocally particularly in the lawrence arms when it's me and chris singing almost everything together is very much inspired by like really super old school hip-hop like the beastie boys run dmc where it's like you know uh, it's gonna be come across terribly on audio but it like you know like we're like it's not it's not like in punk rock and a lot of rock and roll It's like you sing, like let's say there's a four bar chorus, uh -huh. right? And you sing, like I'll sing the first thing and then we double up the second one and then I'll sing the third one and then you double up the fourth one. Uh -huh. But what I like is the erratic pattern of like old school hip hop, the Beastie Boys being like the best example because there's just the three guys like firing so hard. Uh -huh. And um, and so like <clears throat> on the Ocal Cutter record, like we, we sat down and we were like, okay, I want all these vocals to fire like the Beastie Boys do. So that's why, It's like I'll sing one line, then Chris will sing two, and then I'll sing one, and then we'll both sing. You know, like it's like yeah. that sort of like erratic. Yeah, that erratic, just like, uh, 
I, you, it keeps you nimble, you know, in your brain to to do it because it's not like it's not the expected way. That's like that's a that's a huge thing. I mean, hip hop is uh, is a huge huge influence on me, um, just because. Um, f well, firstly, it's obviously like replaced rock and roll as the um, medium. Uh, music-wise of uh, descent for youth culture, right? And uh, I mean, I guess now you could argue that EDM is uh, actually replacing lyrical hip-hop, but you know, I'm 40 years old, so I'm <laughs> you gotta stop somewhere, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and so, and so I, I think that in a lot of ways, hip-hop actually embodies the spirit of what I think punk rock is sort of supposed to be about. And um, particularly when, uh, in the early 2000s, when I was getting very like frustrated with the state of punk rock and I was seeing a lot of, and with no disrespect to anybody, but a lot of like very like young, beautiful boys like jumping at the same time and like having these like very like clean pop songs and all this kind of stuff. I was like, man, this ain't why I got into this shit at all. Uh -huh. You know, like, and, and then, and then I, I'm like, like nobody's mom is afraid of this. You know, you know what they're afraid of? They're afraid of Method Man. You know, <laughs> like that's what I want to fucking do, man. I want to do this shit that scares people a little bit. You know, like I, I want, like when uh when I put out the Wandering Birds record, um, Toby, who's my partner at Red Scare, um, he was like. Uh, and he is the mastermind behind the whole thing. So I, I, should, I say partner, but really he's, I'm his lackey. But, uh, but uh, he was like, wow, you finally made a record that people are going to have to hide from their moms. And I was like, yes, that is what it's been about the whole time.
tiny bit of tea Maybe I'll lose this mind So I don't have to make sense So I don't have to make a laugh So I don't have to make a friend So I got another Hey, what's up? I'm Brendan from uh, the Lawrence Arms and the Falcon and the Wandering Birds, and you're listening to a Rocket from Russia. Grapple down the scaffolding like castle of dismantling the greasy mantelpieces and the cheesiest diseases. Mangling the cheese while I'm rolling in your feces. I'm a hairy Ocalisi dragon ass dragon now. Overwriting after the water, yaddy, it's just gone. I'm repeating, repeating. I used to catch a beating in the station wagon, seated with my old man, got that feeling. I got in some trouble, trouble wrapped up in a baggie. I'll get you high and naked if you let me have your aggie. Smitten, sticking as I care, less and less about the ending. And baby, 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 I just wanted to be lazy. I only became a man because it's of your body, man. Now I'm feeling faded and I'm fading. It's the great end. Hello, 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 you're listening to the radio station CITR, this is weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia, and today on the show I'm playing you my interview with Brendan Kelly of Lawrence Arms, the Falcon, Wandering Burns, the slapstick he played in Broadway, so yeah, a person who contributed to quite a few great uh, punk rock bands. I would just share two songs uh, from um, uh, the, uh, the Falcon's album called Gather Up the Chaps, the opening track was called The Skeleton Dance, and the second one was called Hasselhoff Cheeseburger, those are the songs where, where I asked Brandon about borrowing some ideas from non-punk uh, songs and musicians and inter- interpreting uh, those ideas in his own way. And those two songs uh, included those ideas, What uh, that's uh, what uh, Brandon uh, talked about. Uh, let's listen to the part number two. In that part number two, we talked about uh, the uh, Lawrence Arms album called Old Calcutta. And... Um, um, 
that's my that's how I got introduced to the Lawrence Arms, and this is my favorite um, release by uh, the Lawrence Arms. And before I proceed off off the air of the interview, I t- uh, told Brandon the story, and I think it's a pretty interesting uh, story. He he liked it, so I'll share this uh, story with you. So I I discovered that album back when I still uh, lived in Russia, and um, uh, obviously I didn't have an access to buy a CD or uh, or a vinyl, so I had to illegally download it from the internet. I believe I've been using Napster at the time, or a, a, a maybe Soulseek, one of those uh, file sharing um, uh, programs. Um, and um, but uh, back then the internet was still not as available back back home, and uh, so I had to buy those um, uh, cards when you buy a uh, constant eight hours of internet per day. And uh, I was a student, so I'm, I didn't have too much money, so I had to buy the cheapest um, rate which was available to me, and uh, that was the rate which was from uh, 12 uh, in the night till 8 a.m. in the morning. So then you can just surf the internet in the night. So obviously, like you know, it, it, I was I had other stuff to do during the night and pretty much that stuff was mostly sleeping so I would set up uh, my soul seek uh, program and uh, then I discovered um, about Lawrence Arms and I tried to download their new album and it was so funny this the, the, the dude who was sending me who was uh, uploading this album for me he was so slow and my internet was so slow I don't know what was going on so per night I would download let's say track number seven and then track number three so for the whole day I listened to this old Kolkata just two songs the Next night, next eight hours in the night, I have like, okay, I have now song number five and the first track, and I'm rocking those four songs. So probably in a week, or I don't know how how the math works out. I got the full album, but I knew I I knew those songs in such a random order. It was funny that you know that how I listened and how I discovered that album. Not as a normal person listening track one to the last track, I discovered it in like a quite a random uh, order. So let's listen. Uh, this is uh, part two of my conversation with Brandon. Kelly, where we talked about Old Kolkata, uh, the album by D. Lawrence Arms. You listen to Rocket from Russia. Speaking of Old Kolkata, I listened to an interview, it was from 2012, so before the Metropole uh, came out, and you said after releasing Old Kolkata, you felt like it was the best thing you could could be you could have written in that genre and that you gave you pretty much best obviously Metropole is out gather up the chapters out could you please uh, tell me how did you manage I, I don't know if it's if challenge is the right word but how did you manage that writing songs writing music for all our songs let's say after all Kolkata right well okay so the, the thing is that uh, and you said this but I want to reiterate is that like that was just the best I could do. I'm not saying it's like the best album in the genre or anything like that. It's just like what the um, the sort of the mission statement when Chris and I sat down to write Oh Calcutta, we talked about it. You know, people talk a lot about how like Greatest Story Ever Told is such a concept album and all of this, but Oh Calcutta is so much more of a concept album in reality because we sat down and we were like, all right, let's make the record that we wanted to hear when we were 15 that never came out, you know? Uh And it was like, we love Naked Ray Gun, we love No Means No, we love 15, we love Propagandy, you know, what is it about those songs? And let's do that in our you know, like like through our filter, right? And that's why, you know, and um, the song uh, what's it called? Requiem Revisited, there is um at the beginning there's a no means no line right and um and that's also uh 
a naked ray gun riff that I just like recapitulated to make it, you know, it's like, so we were like, we really were wearing our influences on our sleeve on that, on that record, you know, and it was, and it was very much intentional, right? And so I think of O Calcutta as being like the last 90s punk record, even though it came out in 2007, you know, but it was, that's what it was supposed to be, right? So after it was done, I was like, fuck, I don't know if it's, I'm like, I don't know where to go from here. And that's why I did the Wandering Birds record, because it was so, it was, you know, it was just like, I, I'm like, I, if I'm going to do anything, I've got to like at least fucking have a little sorbet and cleanse the palate and get into something else. And so once I, once I was done with that, then I guess there so much time had passed and like my perspective had just shifted so much that I felt like I had a new idea of what the Lawrence Arms was, you know? And I, I don't feel like when Chris and I sat down to write Metropole, and I don't mean to like not mention Neil here. Neil's obviously like a crucial integral part of the band, but uh, songwriting wise, you know, Chris and I write the songs. And uh, and we, I, I feel like they, like they, those two records don't intersect at all. Like, uh, this was like a, a record about, the, you know, for lack of a better word, like post-millennial uh, punk rock, you know, and we're like old now by the time we, by the time we wrote it. So we're, we're coming at it from like, not like hungry, like dick swinging kids, but more like as, uh, as men who have like been around, you know, and, and so there was a, there was a certain like amount of leisure there in terms of being able to explore like a totally new uh, perspective, right? And um, with Gather Up the Chaps, I just wanted to make a fucking filthy record. You know, I was I was like I wasn't trying to make it like super hard or super anything. It's like there's something super liberating about like being in the Falcon as opposed to the Lawrence Arms, where the the expectations. There, there's really none, you know? And so it's it's like, I just wanted to make this like fucking crazy like assault on sort of uh, dignity, you know? And, and so like the, the, like the sort of hardcore aspects of it and like the weird like perviness of it and everything like that is just, uh, it, it was its own muse, I guess, is, would be the best way to say it, you know? So yeah, I mean, Yes, absolutely coming off of that record was daunting, but, um, you know, you got to diversify your portfolio a little bit, and it, it works out just fine.
Hello, 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 you're listening to the radio station, which is called CITR. This radio show is called Rocket from Russia. I am called Russian Tim by passport. That's my actual official name. If you check my ID when I walk in into any uh, club or bar in Vancouver, this is what it says on my uh, BC driver's uh, license. Uh, we're, today on the show, I'm playing you uh, Rocket for... That's the name of the show, sorry. Uh, uh, today on the show, I'm playing you my interview with Brandon Kelly of the Lawrence Arms, and we just heard a song called uh, Requiem Revisited from their album called All Calcutta. Great song, great um, great album, great band. All right, let's move on and let's uh, listen to the part three of my interview uh, with Brandon. And in the part three, we uh, discussed uh, raising kids and pornography in that order. And that's uh, what the part three uh, is about. You listen to Rocket from Russia. This is my interview with Brandon Kelly, who is a dad. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is the interview. Listen, part three. Here you go. You're dead and uh, you have two kids and um, I've, again, like I said, I've been listening to you talk about being a father and a parenting in a few interviews. It's very interesting for me to hear that because I don't have kids, so it's very interesting for somebody who I admire to, to listen how that uh, changes, uh, changes your life. You said a very interesting and cool thing, which I really like. You said that most of people who are raising kids, they don't know what the fuck they're doing because, because they've never done it before. Right. When you had your son. son. Yes. My son was the first one. No, but when you had your daughter. Oh, when I had my daughter, yes. Sorry. Did you feel like an experienced dad? You know, man, it's a really interesting question, but the the answer is really that, like, you think you've got this shit down once you have one kid, and it's like the beginning is just a fucking nightmare. Like, a baby is so hard to deal with. The first three months of a human child is, like, a fucking nightmare. Like... It's like it's like you're you're just on the ropes all the time, you know. Like every once in a while, you nap for like 15 minutes. I would take naps at like 9 p.m. I mean, fuck it, I don't know, you know. Like <laughs> I I know I'm gonna be up soon. The fucking guy is sleeping now. I'm also sleeping now, you know. And and uh, and so like then, you know, my son got to be like two, and we're like, yo, we're out of the woods. Boom, easy. Now we know how to do this. My daughter was born, and what nobody tells you is two kids is so many more kids than one kid. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, all of a sudden, it was like, there was less than no time. And then, like, the baby would cry, and it would wake up the toddler. You know, and you're like, oh, no, we just got a toddler down. You know, like, I mean, he's, st- like, it's still a fucking pig fuck to deal with a two-and-a-half-year-old. You know, they have to take, like, naps all day long. And then you've got this little baby that won't do shit, and they won't, you know, they don't coordinate when they nap or when they eat or anything like that. They, they're just, like, selfish little shit factories that, like, eat all the time. And, you know, and you're and shit and sleep and so like I'm like inside all day because you know it's like okay now he's asleep okay now he's up now she's asleep you know and and so uh, you know on one hand I think there is a uh, a sense of like oh I know what I'm doing like I'm not gonna like get caught up in all the bells and whistles of uh, the the sort there's a real commercial industry surrounding new parents right because uh, everybody doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and people are like you need this you need this you know and it's like I'm in marketing also so I, I know like that like people sit around in a room and go like 
let's scare the shit out of these people and tell them that they have to have this or their child will die. You know, and the first time you're like, oh God, I have to have this or my child will die. And then the, by, you know, the second kid, you're like, nah, I don't need that shit. That didn't work out for me at all. But so like on one hand, yes, I was a little more experienced, but on the other hand, nothing can prepare you for doubling the amount of children that you have. So, so it was still just as much of a new scene, man. <laughs> I love that you're very open about sex and porn. Uh, like I listen to you talking about it. I just see you like Twitter. I love it. Uh, to me, that to me that's great. Uh, you friends with adult actress Lexi Bell. Yes. And there's a great story how you and her went to aquarium with your kids. I bet it was super cool because you can ask her like how it all works out be behind the curtain and everything else. In terms of like what are the other actresses which you like, uh, which you find uh, interesting. Um, you know, I, I have a, I have a few like sort of, I don't know if I want to call them like friends, but like people that I like and that I'm friendly with, like on the internet, uh, that are like in the adult industry. Um, you know, uh, Janice Griffith is someone I talk to a lot, uh, not talk to a lot. That's an exaggeration, but you know, like we're, I'm friendly with her and, uh, uh, this dude, uh, small hands. I don't know if you know who he is. He's like, a in the, uh, what's that fucking world called, with all the uh, Burning Angel. He's like uh, in that Burning Angel world, and uh, I believe, yeah, that's the Joanne Angel, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, it's that's, it's just, he's her husband. Oh, okay. You know, and, um, and... Uh, I know she likes punk rock, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, the, the, the porn people that are into punk rock are the people that I'm usually friendly with, you know? Um, that Casey Castle, she's a, she's a punk, too. Oh. And uh, you know, I I like her. She 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 came to our show in uh, L.A. last time we were there, and you know, I, I I find that whole thing to be like really fascinating. And you know, when you're saying like uh, it's probably cool, you can talk to her about like what goes on behind the curtain. The one thing that is weird is that like really that's like sort of like. The, I, I feel like with the people in the adult industry, that's like the one thing that's kind of off the table is like, I'm not going to talk to you about your work because yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's like, makes sense. It, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's reductive, but it's like they work in a, they work in like a very like visceral industry that's, uh, that's, that's like tied up to our instincts and you know basic needs and shit like that so it's like really raw and exposed and also fascinating but like the natural all right so like if i go out with a girl that looks like lexi bell anywhere like i'm going to be thinking about sex right with her it's like it would be so reductive for me to be like sexual around her because she'd be like, you think I'm just somebody that just fucks and that's all I am. But it's like, it's a job. You know what I mean? So it's, re it's really like, a, I don't know, it's something I try to like sort of stay away from. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic and I, I'm endlessly intrigued by that world. I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm smart about how I act around those people or not, but uh, that's just, that's sort of my, you know, my take on it. Yeah, yeah for example, like I see if they come to learn some show, when somebody comes to show, they don't want to talk about work. Yeah, yeah, no. They want to have listen to their songs. Uh. Exactly, and it's like, and I don't, I don't want to put people in a position where they feel weird like, or like I'm like fetishizing them or anything like that, you know, it's just like, I want to hang out and drink beers. But it is interesting because I found 
that um, work is something that people talk about a lot, you know? Oh, how's, how's the job? How's the podcast? How's the band? You know, and then it's like, oh, so that's off the table. So we got to talk about other <laughs> shit completely, you know? So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a wild, it's a wild scene, man. <laughs> Very interesting to hear you talk. This is, this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, like I asked the question and then... I realized when you answer, yeah, you probably don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, just sort of more out of respect because it's like, uh, here's the thing. I, I think I can maybe articulate this even better is that uh, women are often fetishized as sex objects to begin with and porn stars for sure are. And it's a very reductive thing. And it's like people can love fucking and not have that be the only thing about them. You know what I mean? And with a porn actress, particularly actress, I would say that um, I would, it, it, it seems like it would be very easy to accidentally say something that would imply that I thought that their whole life was just fucking. You know what I mean? And I, I you don't want to. I, well, and, and it's, it's, I mean, in 100% of the uh, porn actresses I know, it's absolutely not the case at all. I mean, it's like, it's a job that they do and that they like. And they're also like dynamic people outside of all of that, you know. And uh, so, I mean, it's 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 kind of fucking stupid that that even needs to be said. But you know, it, in uh, North America, people are pretty fucking hung up on sex, you know. And it, and it's it's hard to like sort of make that leap for whatever reason. So, yeah. Like, do you 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 like, do
Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to the radio station CITR, and this is a radio program called Rocket from Russia. Today on the show, I'm playing you my interview with Brendan Kelly and Lawrence Arms, and we heard a song by Lawrence Arms, which is called Porn and Snuff Films, uh, from the album called Apathy and Exhaustion. Um, so yeah, that was uh, the part, I don't know, part four? Part three of my interview, and let's keep on going. And we will listen to part four of my interview with Brandon, where we talked about him growing up in Chicago, seeing Joe Breaker for the first time, and how uh, he is not sure if he should talk to Brad Gerwitz about a slapstick broken up. Those are the three main I know, topics of the next part. Let's do this. This is part four of my conversation with Brandon Kelly. You're listening to Rocket from Russia. I was listening to you to talk about sex and porn in the interviews, and uh, do you think that your openness in terms of sex came from where you were a kid and you lived in Chicago in the area which was similar to Red uh, Lights District and which was ruled by transvestite gangs? Um, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I. No, I think just naturally I'm kind of a pervert and a loudmouth, and I think it's just like sort of the, um, you know, end result. I've been fortunate enough that I've had a platform to sort of speak in like a small way, like publicly for a long time, and I've become more and more comfortable with uh, just sort of expressing my own likes and my own interests. And uh, because, I mean, I've been doing it this since I was 16. I've been doing it longer than I didn't do it. You know, like it's it's been so many years. And uh, and and like I find like disingenuous interviewees just bum me out. You know, like when like you hear athletics is a great example of this. When you see like a sports interview, it's like. I, I could do a fucking sports interview. Here's a here's a question. So uh, you know you went out there, you got beat. What happened? Well, you know we came out, we played hard, we wanted to do our best, but what can we say? The other team had a lot of heart. We got a lot of heart too. I hope we get them next time. And it's like fuck you, dude. It, it, it's so boring. And it's like like what, what's the point of talking to somebody? You know, if it's just these like fucking canned answers. And so at a certain point, I think I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I like th- these things interest me, and that's what I'll talk about. You know, my mom. Mom used to do public relations for a pretty like crappy uh, Monsanto, yes, and um, and she told me uh, a long time ago. She's like, "Listen, the number one rule of being interviewed is listen to the question and then talk about whatever you got to fucking talk about." And and I mean, I don't, you know, like I obviously I like interesting questions like your questions, but. Uh, at a certain, you know, that, that that informs the way I conduct myself in these kind of things, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and like, you know, interview is part, I don't know if it's part, like, uh, I'll talk like big terms, like a message from the band or like a mission statement. So if you, if you have a new album and you would like other people to know about it, so you'll talk about it. Exactly. So, and if you have ideas which you would like to share, you talk about it. Exactly. And, you know, at a certain point also, um, it's like... My career trajectory is not based on like some shit like exploding. Like I, I never had like a fucking hit single or anything like that. It's been a very like incremental process. So I've realized that there's the mission statement isn't about like totally like selling records. It's about just like being a, a human being that you know can hopefully be relatable to other human beings. You know. 
And speaking of your childhood, your first show was Jawbreaker. Were you blown away by them? And the biggest question, which I personally had when I heard the story, how did it get into the, the club when you were 12? I lived around the corner from a record store uh -huh. called Reckless Records. And I was in there and, you know, I didn't, when I was a little kid, I didn't really have a lot of friends and I didn't really have much going on. I was a real like loner nerd. And uh, so I'd go to Reckless Records because, you know, I'd like do chores for my mom and I'd get an allowance and I had nothing to spend the money on because I was fucking 12. It's not like I was like going out and getting bags of grass and, you know, drinking beers and stuff. I was 12. So I would just go around the corner to this record store called Reckless that had all these weird tapes of bands I'd never heard of, and I'd just buy them based on the album covers, right? And um, so I had this like really sort of esoteric collection of music that like where some stuff was like metal and some stuff was kind of like almost like that weird 90s like rock that kind of dipped into funk and then, you know, some punk rock. And the, the punk rock stuff happened to be this stuff I uh, connected with the most, but I didn't even know the term punk rock until I was 16. You know, I had Minor Threat records, I had Bad Religion records. My, my first show was Jawbreaker, for fuck's sakes, and I didn't know the words punk rock until I was 16, because I didn't have anybody to tell me. Like, I, I, I was just like, I was fucking flying blind, man. And um, so anyway, I'm at Reckless Records, and there's a record playing over the the speakers and I'm like hey what's this and the record store clerk is like oh this is a band from California called Jawbreaker and I was like it's really cool do you have the record and they're like no but they're playing here tomorrow so it was in a record store uh -huh. and so oh, here you mean in the record store yeah oh I see right and so so I came back the next day and there was 12 people there maybe I mean, this was before Unfun came out, right? They were touring before it came out. I bought the cassette from Chris after the show, and he gave me this weird fucking sticker with a Cyclops on it that he had drawn himself. He's like, and these are my stickers. These are, like, I'm really into these. And I was like, okay. I mean, it was the dumbest looking fucking sticker I've ever seen. But, you know, I mean, at the time I was fucking 12, and I'm talking to some guy that plays the drums from California. He's drummed his way across the country, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I thought they were great. Obviously, like, you know, I've, I've seen Jawbreaker. I saw them every time they ever came to Chicago, except for when they played with Nirvana, because that was too punk for that. But, uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, like, that, that Concert and that band had a huge influence on me, you know. So yeah, good because I, I didn't know it was at the record store. I thought it was just like at a club. How the fuck right. did that twelve years old? Uh, yeah, no, you? totally. They they played that night at a club, uh -huh. but they were doing like an in-store appearance, like yeah, in the yeah. midday or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting um, is that show is on YouTube, uh -huh. and you can go watch it. And at a certain point, I believe it's during the song "I 5 you see me turn around. Cause I'm like looking for something, and you can see me. I'm fucking 12 years old, I, and I'm wearing a Detroit Tigers hat. So like you can you can see Spot me it, at yeah. that show. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> you told the story of how Slapstick broke up many times, and that there was an offer from Brett and Epitaph Records, which fell through because you pretty much quit the band. As an adult, have you talked to Brett, and what was his perspective on this situation? 
I have not talked to Brett about that um, for a few reasons. The first reason is, like, I'm not stupid enough to bring that shit up to Brett, you know? Like, like he's fucking Brett Gerwitz, and I'm like, hey, remember when I was a fucking dumb dipshit teenager? You know, like, I'm not, I'm not, there's, I, have, I have no interest in that conversation at all. Um, and uh, second of all, and probably more significantly, is I don't think he'd fucking remember. You know, like, I, like, he's a very smart, very busy dude, and, like, you know, he, he, he didn't build an empire by sitting around stewing about some dumb ska band from Chicago that didn't sign to their record label <laughs> in 1995. So <laughs> I don't I, I don't I don't think it, I don't think he would remember, man. Hello, hello, this is Rocket from Russia, this is Weekly Punk Rock Radio Show, and CITR, and today I'm playing you my interview with Brendan Kelly on Lauren's Arm, the Falcon, Wandering Burns, the Broadways, and that was a song by his uh, first, uh, prof- let's call it professional band, because we'll talk about his first unprofessional bands uh, in the final part of this interview, uh, but that band was called Slapstick, that was a song from their like uh, self-titled, I think it's a it, it is a compilation, There's a Metal, uh, that was a song called There's a Metal Head in the Parking Lot 
Um, yeah, let's keep on under the show. I'm almost done here and I have only one final part, part five of my conversation with Brendan Kelly. And uh, this is where discussed actually his, some of his um, early childhood uh, friends, friend, a friend, uh, and uh, uh, his, let's call them unprofessional early days of Brendan Kelly as a musician. Let's do it. That's the final part of my conversation with Brendan Kelly. Hey, listen to Rocket for much. You play in the Wandering Birds with uh, Nick Martin, one of your childhood friends. Could you please tell the story why of, uh, some of your former classmates uh, could call him uh, a bunny flusher? <laughs> okay, so Nick is um, one of the smartest, kindest, coolest people I know. And he's the most talented guy. I mean, he's a, he's a genius. Like, I don't throw that word around a lot, but Nick is a fucking genius. But when he was a kid, he, like, had, like, sort of learning disabilities, and he was pretty antisocial and... Uh, Bad. He was bad, <laughs> and uh, and um, so there was uh, a bunny in the first grade class, and people could take it home for the weekend, right? And um, there was like a the, the class pet or whatever, and it, it you know it taught you like stewardship and you know caring for things, responsibility or whatever, and everybody got to take it home. And when it was Nick's turn to take it home, he took that bunny and ran straight into the bathroom and flushed it down the toilet. Like, not even, like, five minutes later. <laughs> like, like, I mean, the bathroom was the first door he passed on the way out of the class. He was like, fuck this bunny, I'm flushing it down the fucking toilet. I mean, and he, I mean, because he was a fucking total sociopath as a kid. And, I mean, just the funniest, smartest guy, but, yeah, he had some fucking work. I mean, we went on a trip um, in seventh grade. Our class went out to, like, a nature preserve, right? And... Uh, <laughs> This is so fucked up. And uh, we, we got to this nature preserve. And um, one, it was like for like six days and we like slept in cabins and shit like that. And uh, on one of the days we went and we saw like where all the saplings were, where they were growing like the new trees, right? And the guy's like, yeah, so here's where the saplings are. And then we went on to another thing and we went on to another thing and it was like, oh fuck, where's Nick Martin? Nick Martin's not around. Nick went back and uprooted all the fucking saplings. <laughs> he ripped them all out of the ground. <laughs> just, to, I mean, I, the only explanation is just that he was just to be a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, he, I, like, I, I cherish that man with all my heart. He's the best. I, those stories notwithstanding, I know those don't sound like the stories of somebody that's the best, but trust me, <laughs> trust me, he's the best. <laughs> And too bad that those legendary songs by the Vegetable Train uh, never got released. <laughs> but could you please tell me how did the biggest hit Nuts, 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 We Want More Nuts uh, went? No, it was Nuts, Nuts, We Want Nuts. And it, oh, sorry. It, no, no. And those, those were the... Okay, so it, it was just like this like sort of like real shitty bass line. And then the song would go... Nuts, nuts, we want nuts, 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 we want nuts, 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 we want nuts, 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 I want your nuts, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I've been talking about dicks and porn for my entire life in music, I, I don't know, I don't know, it didn't come to me later on, I, I take it all back. <laughs> Started from Vegetable Train. Played that fucking time, well that was, um... 
Was that Vegetable Train? Yeah, that, I don't... Yeah, I mean, Vegetable Train was one of the bands we had. I don't think that that song was a Vegetable Train yeah, song. Yeah, it was originally the band before. Yeah. When you had that super shitty bassist and super shitty, shitty drummer. No, no, no. That was Vegetable that Train. That was Vegetable Train. Yes. And, um, oh, yeah, we did. We did because I remember because Tim Duma, the bass player, could not play the bass line because Nick had written it, actually. Me and Nick wrote Nuts, Nuts, We Want Nuts. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Great stuff. It's a big hit. We played that at our school when we were like 12. <laughs> For the school. Did not go over well. <laughs> Robert, and thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you. That was great. Yeah, awesome, man. Uh, thanks, man. How about that for a story? Nuts, nuts, we want nuts. What a hit. What an unrecorded hit. What could have been a massive, massive hit for uh, Lawrence Arms Falcon, any of the bands that Brandon Kelly is part of. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll bring back this song from retirement and the next uh, um, album will feature that massive hit. This is it. Thank you so much for listening. Today was the whole episode was focused on my brand uh, new interview with uh, Brendan Kelly. I hope you enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. Like I said, I feel like that was one of the most interesting interviews I've done. And all thanks goes to Brendan, who was extremely interesting, extremely good storyteller, and just an interesting person to talk to and to listen to. Well, that... I like it. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Uh, this is it. If you like what you heard, you can check out the podcast on CITR.ca. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can find Rocket from Russia on Facebook.com. And um, enjoy the page. And uh, also, I have a vlog, rocketfromrussia.tumblr.com, where you can find all my previous interviews, along with a list of upcoming shows um, in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and obviously all the previous episodes of this program available for a download. This is it. Thank you so much for listening. Duncan's Donuts coming up next. And in order to uh, finish this episode of uh, Rocket from Russia, I would like to play you my favorite song by the Lawrence Arms. It's called Like a Record Player. It's a great song. It's from that album, uh, Old Calcutta, which I tried to download in a week. Two songs per night back in Novosibirsk, Siberia. Thank you so much for listening. That was uh, Rocket from Russia. And this is Like a Record Player, the Lawrence Arms. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. See you next week. I'm like a record player I keep going round with a needle in my arm Making someone else's sound And lately I've been dreaming Of blue and empty skies But nothing like that ever crosses red and weary eyes I've been traveling every bottle Working close to cans Sitting up for hours in my best friend's in a